You're listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical psychotherapists who trained together at Johns Hopkins. Now we are both in private practice in Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health. While this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Luna. Hey, so today we decided that what we would want to do is talk about the twos um, and talk about uh, how they work in the tarot deck and actually pull the two cards and use them as a way of starting to think about tarot and mental health. Yeah, we were actually supposed to do this episode last week, but we got like super excited talking about the intersection of psychology and tarot, um, which was fun <laughs> because I think we had a lot of fun nerding out about it. Um, but yeah, we get to talk about the second card of each of the, the tarot suits today. Um, so we're going to talk about the two of swords, two of wands, two of cups, and two of pentacles. Exactly. And this was, yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned like this was originally uh, one episode that we broke into two because we had so many things that we wanted to say. Yes. As we often do. So um, just for a brief overview of how twos work, we did look a little bit into the history of twos and how the people who created the tarot decks were thinking about twos when they did this work and when they began these drawings uh, by looking at some of the background of numerology. I think that it's always nice for us to acknowledge that uh, Shannon and I are both mental health professionals. That is our primary job is that we are psychotherapists and we love tarot and we love getting into numerology and astrology and stuff, but we do sometimes have to look this up. So I did spend some time looking this up and thinking about what twos could mean. So there's full disclosure there, right? Yes, definitely. Yes. None of us are like full experts on any of this. We we're, I think we're learning so much along the way. <laughs> so much. And it, that's part of the fun of it. So um, actually, we could even say that like, maybe one of the reasons we were drawn to doing the twos first is because we ourselves um, have been in private practice by ourselves. And now we're doing this project, which I love, which is about teamwork and partnership and relationship and balance. The whole nature of this yeah. podcast is very twosies, isn't it? It really is. I'm glad that you brought that up. It's definitely been a fun and like new journey, I think, for the both of us because mm -hmm. private practice can be so isolating mm -hmm. and you are doing everything kind of on your own. So it's been really cool having you around and like being able to bounce ideas off of each other and really talk about where we want to take the podcast and being able to share something, you know, with another clinician, something that's really fun too. Like tarot is super fun. Yeah, I kind of love that. I just realized that we are living the twos right now. So totally. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and of course, now we get to talk about something really fun tarot in addition to what we do for a living, which we we also find very fun and enlightening and amazing. Um, and so because we are therapists and this podcast is about like looking at things through the lens of psychotherapy and mental health, we decided to kind of create this framework of a fictional client to use to, in order to talk about the twos today. Um, so the fictional client is based on basically a variety of common themes that we see in therapy with clients, uh, but the particular fictional conceptualization that we came up is going to be focused on a woman who's in her mid-20s today. Um, and so we named her Chelsea because we don't know or see any Chelsea's. <laughs> um, so it Chelsea, took us a while to pick a name. Yeah, it did. We went through a couple. <laughs> um, 
So Chelsea is a 26-year-old woman who is unhappy in her career, um, and she may want to be starting something new because she thought she was really going to enjoy working in the nonprofit world, but she's starting to feel really burnt out and un uninspired and found out that it's really not everything she thought it was going to be. Uh, she also just recently broke up with her long-term partner. They were together for about three years and broke up uh, about a year ago. Um, her boyfriend has moved on, and she knows this because she may or may not be stalking him on Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she's also kind of recently begun to question her sexuality and think that maybe she's bisexual. Uh, she's also picked up a habit of drinking a little bit too much, um, especially at night to kind of end her day. Uh, her social life is a bit empty. She she had a lot of friends in college, but is noticing those relationships are becoming more and more distant. Uh, the friends she does have are mostly like coupled in relationships, maybe trying to have babies, getting married or moving away. Um, and she feels so far away from where they are in life. Um, and, and so... So while they're all kind of mo like moving on to this next phase in her life, she's really kind of been wrapped up in her career despite not liking it. Um, she has been trying to date a little bit. She's trying to figure out, does she want kids? But maybe she also mm -hmm. doesn't want kids because she wants to travel. She wants to consider going to grad school. Um, ultimately, she's feeling really stuck and pressured because she's got a lot of thoughts about what she should be doing and where she should be in life. And all these thoughts eventually get her feeling really overwhelmed. And then she just avoids everything altogether and just kind of ends up, you know, pouring a glass or two of wine every night and binging Netflix. I feel like I do want to say, even though we did just say this is a person that we created together and that this is not a real person, I, I kind of want to say that again, because this is so many of my clients over the years. So if you are a client of mine or a former client of mine, please know that like I'm not talking about you, that this is just so common, this scenario. And I think that even though we're we're describing somebody who's in their mid to late 20s, I think that this also, so many people in different age brackets can also relate, either because they lived this experience or because they're having another version of it in their lives right now. Uh, you described that so well, that, that place of feeling like I could do anything and I should do something, but I don't know what to do. And so I'm stuck. Yeah. And the should aspect is something I see so much with mm -hmm. clients, really, no matter what age they are, whether they're 15 and still in high school or, you know, 45, it's very much, well, this person is doing this over here. So that's what I should be doing. And I'm not in a good place because I'm not doing what these other people are doing. Um, I, I work on this so much with clients where it's like, Hey, we need to stop comparing ourselves to what other people are doing because we don't know their situation. We don't know their life and your life is not theirs. Um, you know, and she's definitely in that age, you know, Chelsea, this fictional client where, um, you know, society tells us that, okay, after high school, you go to college and then after college, you know, you get a job and you get married. And if you want to have babies, you have babies. And she's definitely in that mindset where she's like, Oh wait, maybe I want to have kids. Should I have kids? But I also want to travel. Like if I want to travel, I can't really have kids. Um, and so right. she's definitely kind of stuck in this mindset of, well, if I make a decision, is it going to be the decision I should be making based on these expectations that are kind of like set, you know, by societal norms and standards, um, from a young age? You know, like you talking about the shoulds feels like I should just like should <laughs> send yeah. a nod out to um, 
a, a beloved psychotherapist, uh, Albert Ellis, who was mm-hmm. like this quirky guy who um, did a lot of amazing work, but also was quirky and funny. And he used to say, there you go, shooting all over yourself. Yes. And like therapists love to say that. The other one that <laughs> therapists love to say, but not so much because it sounds a little bit dirtier, is um, people <laughs> masturbating. Oh, yeah. Which I think our friend Chelsea is doing a lot of that. Totally. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to send a shout out to that funny guy. Yes. Love that saying. Um, I think you've done a great job of introducing this. Shall we begin with talking about the Two of Swords and how it relates to Chelsea? Because I think that's yes. probably the perfect starting place for her. Definitely. Go for it. Um, so... I love the two of swords because I think in many ways it's like the ultimate therapy card. Like that is like this one and maybe the eight of swords as like a backup, but this one really shows what our clients go through. They feel they're sitting there and they have two options in front of them. Although for some of them, it's like 10 swords or like a number of options that they're holding, but they're not sure which way to go. So they stand there with these two things balanced, trying to figure out what to do while blindfolded. And I think Mm -hmm. one of the key points to this is if you put the swords down and took the blindfold off and turned around and looked at the ocean behind you, maybe you'd be able to have some clarity. But instead, the person is stuck sitting there between two ideas. I love that. And I like you brought up an idea or a thought for me you know, you're saying the two of swords is very much like the therapy card. I feel like the two of swords kind of represents, or not kind of really does represent the reason why people begin therapy to begin with, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they're usually facing a challenging decision or struggling with a direction, um, or needing some sort of balance in their life. Like two of swords totally represents why someone even starts, uh, therapy. Yes. Yes. And I think that what I find with a lot of clients, um, Chelsea would be a great example of this, but like really it's true across the board, uh, is trying to shift people from this idea of this or that, and that it doesn't have to be this or that. It can be somewhere on the spectrum. It's that yes and way of thinking versus this black and white, it has to be this or like, I don't get this other thing. Sometimes it's a question of, I choose this now and I choose something else later. Yeah. Black and white thinking is something that definitely comes up a lot in therapy and also this concept of like confirmation bias. So confirmation bias is basically when you are seeking out information that supports an idea or a belief that you already have Mm -hmm. while neglecting or avoiding other information relevant to your situation, which that's kind of how I actually interpreted the two of swords, especially in relation to this fictional client we came up with, because so I'm using the field tarot deck and the field tarot deck is the image of the two of swords is relatively similar to the traditional deck where, um, you know, there's a woman with, with in an ocean of body holding the two swords, but, um, in, my deck, I really love the imagery because she's standing in a large body of water like the ocean, but her back is turned towards us. Um, and so, and she's holding two swords above her head and they're crossed. Mm. Um, so, and it's almost like she's saying like, this is too much for me. And so, you know, I'm not equipped to handle this decision. So she's standing in this massive body of water, which is like much more powerful than her, maybe hoping that a decision will be made for her, you know, and, and that she can like, not have to like face this decision by herself. I love that. I'm sitting here like considering if I were making a tarot deck, 
which way I want the person facing. Right. They, it's right. so important. So interesting. And I think that what you just described is, is gorgeous because um, as the person looking at the card, the sensation of two of swords is very much like the person has their back tor- turned towards right. us. It's like a lack of openness or it's a like, mm-hmm. no, I can't deal. Whereas in the traditional deck, I'm looking at Rider Weight today, the person has their back to the water. They're facing us. So you mm-hmm. kind of lose that, like they're closed off feeling, but their back is to the water. And if you think about the imagery, the intentional imagery here is that water usually represents intuition. And mm-hmm. so this is a little bit of a, this person has their, their back turned against, there's actually a moon too. So the back is towards listening to your intuition which is a total nod, by the way, I'm going to go there now to the high priestess, like who mm-hmm. is card number two in the deck, who is all about intuition and has like a big moon sitting at her feet. So um, these two cards yeah. are very much related. You know, that makes me think too, if I were to, you know, just based off of what you said, now I'm looking at my field tarot deck, you know, because her back is is facing us and she's looking out to the water but her, the way she's standing with her hands, like totally like reached to the sky and like very strongly gripping these two like massive swords above her head. Maybe she's avoiding her intuition. Maybe she's trying to like not listen to it. She's in this very vast body of water, right? That, Mm -hmm. you know, if we're saying it represents intuition, maybe she's actively like pushing back against it. That's so interesting. You know, perhaps to, to avoid what she knows that is, is best. And that, that also brings me to thinking, you know, a lot of times, especially in therapy, people come in and it goes back to that kind of black and white thinking you were talking about, like, it has to be something I have to make the right choice. Mm -hmm. I have to say the right thing. I have to go in the right direction. And it is so rare that we make a choice in life that comes with a hundred percent guarantee of a positive outcome. (laughs) You know, life is literally all about risks whether you believe that or not, even someone, you know, even someone who's living like or what they believe to be living life. So like carefully and cautiously, like making meticulous decisions, they're also taking a risk to do that. You know, I might say like, actually, like if I were talking to a client, I would maybe at this point say, actually, I think that any choice you make, I can guarantee you that there is a negative outcome. I can't Mm, guarantee you of the positive outcomes, but I can promise you that there will be a negative outcome. So (laughs) kind of like get over it, right? Like, of course there's a negative outcome. You know, it makes me actually think about the show, The Good Place, which my kids loved. And I'm so glad my kids loved it because like now I love it. Part of the, it's too complicated to get into the show. If you haven't watched it, it's a great show and it's really worth watching. But there is this moment where it's described that our world has become so complicated that when you try to do a good deed, there like it's an unavoidable that there are negative consequences. Ah, uh, yeah. So just recognizing that like yeah, choose your choice and understand that there is going to be some negativity around it. Okay. That's just yeah, part and of it. Exactly. And so many times in life and I'm sure you see this with clients too, they lose out on opportunities because yes. they're just sitting there trying to figure out what to do. Meanwhile, their life is passing them by, you know, days, weeks, months could go by and they haven't made a decision yet because they're, they're Mm -hmm. struggling with which direction to go or what to feel or what to think that they're, they're just, they're missing out on, on living life because they're so wrapped up in the what ifs. Right. And that's exactly where this girl Chelsea is, right? Is that for sure. Right. Like just quit your job. 
Just like, just quit your job and like, and you're going to flounder and it's going to be messy and you're going to question yourself. And it doesn't matter if you go to India or if you take another job or if you go to grad school, because no matter which one of those things you do, you're going to gain something from it. So figure out what you want to gain and understand that you're not going to gain everything, but do something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if she were in my therapy room right now, I'd probably say, you know, what questions, decision or decisions, like, are you, would you prefer to avoid making? Because the answer to that question Mm. tells us exactly like what we need to focus on, (laughs) you know, because if she says, well, I'm, you know, if Chelsea were to say, I'm avoid, um, I'm avoiding picking a school to apply to. It's like, okay, so that tells me that you are very interested in grad school and that's where we should shift our focus for a little bit because that's what you actually want. Or she might say, you know, something like, well, um, I would prefer to avoid talking about, uh, traveling, getting my passport sounds overwhelming. And what Mm. about COVID? And, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so then I would go in that direction. It's like, okay, so that's what's on your mind. That's where you're really going right now. That's what you want to do. And, you know, spend some time talking about that. And then also talk about, so what is it? Like, what's the fear saying to you? What, what is it that you are afraid might happen if you make that decision? I think that's so smart of you. Like a way to go for the jugular on that one, right? (laughs) Yeah. I go for it. Like I just do it. (laughs) Figure out what the fear is and then like Mm -hmm. poke it because Mm -hmm. you're right. Like that's the thing that the person wants more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I love that. I think my clients would agree. I definitely tend to poke at things that make them uncomfortable, but that's, that's where you find the growth. That's where you get shit done in therapy. Absolutely. Otherwise it's just a chitty chat. Yes, Yes, exactly. Um, this was fabulous. I think that two of, I could talk about two of swords for like eight hours. I know, right. That could probably be a whole episode, but we should probably talk about two of cups now. I think we should probably (laughs) do that just because otherwise, um, you know, it gets too long. So what do you have to say about two of cups? Yeah. So two two of cups is, um, I'm sure mine's probably the field tarot deck probably looks similar to yours. It's two people standing in front of each other, uh, both holding a chalice. Um, they're both looking down at the cup, which I think is interesting too. Mm. Um, so two of cups cups is typically just about like shared mutual love connection, partnership, and understanding. Like I perceive the two of cups as this very like sweet, safe, gentle card. It's all about kind of like appreciating what like other people have to offer you. Um, but in terms of our fictional client, Chelsea, it kind of makes me think of like, you know, the fact that she's kind of lacking that, that warmth of like a loving relationship Mm. and that, that shared, um, sweet safeness that comes with being with someone because, you know, she's been out of her relationship for a year, but she's, you know, still kind of attached because she's stalking him on Instagram, knows that he's moved on. Um, and you know, if we think about going back to Erickson, this lacking, you know, security and warmth, um, is all, is all about his stage of intimacy versus isolation. And an issue that he says could come up if you are lacking what you need in that stage of life, which is, you know, very young adulthood, you could experience loneliness and depression, which I think is what Mm -hmm. we're starting to see with her. Mm -hmm. She's very much feeling isolated from her friends. She's not in a relationship anymore. She's trying to figure out her sexuality um, and she's drinking more. Um, So, you know, loneliness and depression could lead to really unhealthy coping skills or unhealthy coping patterns like, like drinking. Um, So yeah, definitely 
looking into her support system and trying to figure out how she can welcome people into her life and Mm. get the support that she needs right now would be really beneficial. Um, So if she were in my office, something I might ask is, um, in what ways are you allowing other people into your life? And in what ways do you block others from helping or supporting you? That's great. Thank you. That's great. And I love that you actually started by talking about what your card looked like, because my, um, again, Rider weight looks a little differently. There's, uh, it's two people holding cups, but uh, in, on top of it is the sign of Hermes, which is a lion's head with two wings and a staff with two snakes wrapped around it. Um, okay. Yeah. And it, to me, that's really an interesting symbol on this card, because I think that like we often look at this card and think that it's sort of about relationship in terms of love, because it's these two people with with these cups. Uh, but that symbol is much more it's about um, historically, it's a sign of commerce or trade. And oh, so yeah. this card, um, I think, often is thought of in terms of uh, romantic relationships and rightfully so. But it can mean other things. I mean, perhaps like if I were talking to Chelsea, I would be like, well, let's think about the dating apps. And I would have a, probably a long conversation about dating apps and how they're working mm-hmm. and what, like whether she's working it well or like whether like I would talk about that. But I would also talk about just as you said, inviting other things into her life. In what other ways can she um, have a sense of trade or balance with another person or with other people? And it doesn't have to be romantic. It could be volunteer work, or it could be in a job, or it could be like your relationship with me, for example, is a good example of having this wonderful balance and this wonderful back and forth. Like we're kind of two of cups right now, but it's not a romantic relationship. That's the kind of thing that I would want Chelsea to start looking for in her life. Definitely. And something that I tend to talk about with clients too, is the importance of having you know, like some, like an older figure in your life to mm. not maybe mm-hmm. a mentor, maybe not, but you know, because n- now that I'm thinking about it, we didn't, when we created this fictional, uh, composite of Chelsea, we didn't talk anything about her family, right. um, which makes me think that maybe her family isn't involved, which I do see this a lot, you know, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. who have different views or values and their family members are starting to separate, um, which can increase a sense of, of loneliness, um, and seeking out or creating your own family, um, and people who, right. Um, you feel safe and comfortable with is so important. Um, I know just me personally in my life, like one of my very good friends is is in her 70s and I adore her. Um, she's someone who I feel super safe with and love chatting with and has really added to my life in, in awesome ways. Um, so I always tell clients like, don't negate like the older people in your life that, that, you know, you may come into contact with. So I would, I would ask Chelsea, do you have anyone who, um, you know, maybe someone at work who you, who you trust, who mm-hmm. you can lean on for extra support? Uh, who, yeah. Who else is in your life that you can spend some time with? I think that's exactly right. And this is a struggle in the mid twenties. Um, it really is a struggle because even if you do, for example, have a nice relationship with your family of origin and like, like them as people, and maybe you talk to them a couple times a week or you text or whatever, nevertheless, it's your job to go into the world and to create something new for yourself. And that process is really lonely. And a lot of people in sort of their mid twenties, early thirties, I have conversations about this. Um, it feels like a lot of pressure around, I need to get this done now, which isn't true. There are other ways 
to have connection and to make your own way in the world. But people do tend to link that to I'm supposed to start a family. Yeah, there is this very strong sense of urgency that Mm -hmm. exists. I think especially once you hit your mid-20s, I think that's a a lot... a time when I see a lot of clients say, Oh shit, like I have to like really like (laughs) do stuff now (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, where, you know, maybe up until like, you know, 24 people are, you know, you're still kind of like in college or just getting out of college or trying to figure out what you want to do. If you didn't go to college and (laughs) there, yeah, like that, that 25 range is like, oh my gosh, I'm five years away from 30. Right. And I have to have everything figured out by the time I'm 30 because that's what you're supposed to do. Right. <laughs> and that's so not true. Right. And you know, there's this process of letting go that I keep thinking about right now. And I'm thinking about it both in terms of that two of swords, like that energy seems to have come with me over to the, the two of cups, that there's something about real... Um, at this stage in your life, you do have to press forward. You do Mm -hmm. have to grind and work hard and you have to make decisions because you don't want to get stuck. At the same time, a lot of it comes from being able to let go and let things just flow. Um, And that actually reminds me in the Thoth deck, um, there's a very different image. It's an image of cups pouring into themselves. So it's sort of this renewable source of of, um, flow which actually then reminds me of the concept of the flow state, which is something that we talk about in positive psychology. This was a later um, addition into the world of mental health, this idea of positive psychology. And there's this guy whose name I can never say because it's like, you can look it up or we'll put it in the show notes. You will understand why I can't say his name because it is like a million letters. But he came up with this idea of a person being able to get into a flow state where you're playing a game of tennis and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. instead of playing tennis, you like are the game of tennis. Or haven't we all had this experience of like you're running and all of a sudden you get to that point where you're in the flow state or you're working and suddenly you look up and you're like, wow, I've been doing this for like two hours because I'm like super into it. I think of this card can very much represent getting into that state. But people in this stage of their life have a hard time entering into that flow state because of the distractions of the shoulds. Mm-hmm. I, I can't fully let release and let myself go into that place because I'm also worried about my career. I'm also worried about travel. I'm also worried about babies. I'm also worried about my friendships. And so it's hard to get into that state. You know, I feel like we're just naturally kind of transitioning into the two of wands at this point. Oh, fun. I didn't even know I was doing that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very much like figuring out how to move forward, right? Oh, that's yes. You're so smart. Yes, it is. It's very like, like, it, I, I love that this is the order in which that we are doing these cards because they, <laughs> and you talking about flow, I'm like, oh, look, they really flow into each other. <laughs> <laughs> this is so awesome. So Tara, magical. So cool. <laughs> but it, it is, it's very much like, I mean, I guess if, we can kind of go back and forth, but yeah, this has me totally thinking about the two of wands now, like figuring out what you need to do to move forward. Um, kind of being like maybe even stuck in this planning stage, um, and struggling to, to leave this sense of like familiarity that you have, right. Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. familiarity feels so safe and it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think we can all get stuck in that, that sense of familiarity because we know what's expected of us and we know what to do. Um, it's once we start to think of stepping outside of that, that we can get really overwhelmed and we get, um, we can get scared and we can get anxious. Um, and if we don't have healthy coping 
patterns and we don't have a good support system going back to the two of cups, it could lead to a sense of loneliness or depression. And then essentially these, you know, unhealthy coping patterns like drinking. Um, so making sure, I guess, like if we think about this in steps before we move on to the two of wands, you need to make sure that you have a good support system in place that you, um, have addressed any unhealthy coping patterns that you have, because moving forward is going to be a little difficult. Um, if you're bringing all this, like, you know, shitty baggage with you, it's not going to be as fulfilling. I mean, I think yes. And right. Like that's completely true. And also if we wait for everything to be resolved, we'll never do anything. Well, right. Good yeah. point. Yeah. That's a very good point. You know, and I think of this like quote too, like a comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. Mm -hmm. So like, if you stay where you're at right now, like nothing's ever going to change. Like, you know, a comfort zone is a beautiful place, but you can't grow. Like right. you're just stagnant. Right. Well, and I think that Oh, it's so interesting. This two of wands card, I really love. It's one that I pull a lot and that I really enjoy. I love the idea that this guy is standing here looking out in the world while also like literally in my deck, literally holding a globe, literally holding the world in his hands. But <laughs> the options. <laughs> right. Like look at it all. And he's holding on to a wand, which is like this powerful, like right. big stick. Like, oh, I've got I've got this. I've had have the world in my hand and a big stick, but I'm standing behind a stone wall and I'm perfectly safe. And mm. this is what this task is. It's like a developmental task of being able to step into the world and do something scary, well-planned, but also let's remember that best of plans like fall apart as soon as you get into the arena. Exactly. You know, and a question just popped into my head when you were talking about the, the image on your card. And I think if this person were in my office, I would ask them, and this is a, I think a question that's been around forever. So I'd certainly like, this isn't something I just made up, but, um, like what decision would you make or what, what's something that you would do if you weren't afraid? Oh, oh, it kind of hits me in the gut, right? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. If fear wasn't an option. What would you do? Yeah. I think that's always, I'm, that goes back to what you were saying on two of swords too. Yeah. That's a great question. And you know, that reminds me actually of, um, last week we talked about, uh, the history of mental health a little bit. And it reminds me of, of, um, uh, what was Adler's first name? What's his name? Alfred. Thank you. Alfred yes. Adler's, um, who was a protege of Freud. He is the person who originally came up with the concept of having an inferiority complex, which is something mm -hmm. that like people throw around all the time, but like, it's a real thing. And his whole, um, framework in therapy was based on the concept that people have, all people have a complex around being inferior and that mm -hmm. we all come into this world with a wired in mechanism where we want to be able to prove ourselves and we want to be able to show competency, but also we're really, really nervous that we're not going to be able to do it. And I think that this is what this two of wands is all about standing here with grand ideas but a little scared to do it, which is where Chelsea is too. Like she wants something in her yeah. life, but she's scared to take a step. Also, this makes me think about the, the, some, you know, in therapy, we talk about these, um, you know, negative messages and automatic negative thoughts that we have about ourselves. And 
I'm also wondering too, Mm -hmm. is Chelsea or other people in this situation having the thought of, well, I'm not good enough yeah, or I can't do that. That's not, that's other people do that. Not me. Or, you know, yeah, it just boils down to, I'm not good enough. And it's one of, it's probably one of the most prominent, um, negative thought patterns that I help clients with all the time. Right. And, you know, I think that this is where we go back to the idea of like, let's not have black and white thinking. Let's consider things on a spectrum. Yeah. Truth. You're probably not good enough yet, but the only way you're going to get good enough is by doing it. When you start, you're going to suck. Okay. Right. Like as everybody does. And you know what? You might actually discover that you suck at the thing you want to be good at. I've done that. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I definitely have had things that I wanted to be good at and tried and I sucked at them. Okay. (laughs) I don't do those things anymore. But now on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And so that you can figure out like the only way you find out what you're good at is by trying. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, another question I would just, you know, ask Chelsea is, okay, let's explore your options. Like, but as simple as that, Mm -hmm. what is out there for you? What could be out there for you? Right. And wouldn't that be okay if you went out and it didn't work out? You know, I had this conversation actually, and I'm I'm like going to phrase it carefully. I did have a conversation just about this this weekend with somebody who took a risk, who did Mm -hmm. something bold in their life in the middle of a pandemic, you know, (laughs) like did something that was like, all right, we're going to cut loose and did something really hard. And the pride that I Mm -hmm. heard in this person's voice, this person was like on fire. Yes. And, you know, is still doing something hard is not like it's not like did it nailed it. Great done. Like is in the middle of the thick of it, but feels amazing because left the comfort zone and Mm -hmm. went out and is doing something really hard. And we talked about the fact that this is going to serve this person for the rest of their life. And they are actually like in mid 20s and doing something hard. Yeah. And I think I said several times, I was like, you are going to keep this. Like, this is going to stay with you. You're not going to be doing this forever, but the lessons you learn, you're going to be using in your 50s and your 60s. So good for you. Yeah, that goes back to something we said earlier about how life is all about risks. And yeah, there's no guarantee that those risks are going to come with 100% positive outcomes. But no matter what, you'll you'll learn something, whether it's a good thing Mm -hmm. or something that doesn't feel so good. Um, And, you know, this is what life is all about. It's all about growing and exploring and stepping outside of your comfort zone and seeing what you're fully capable of. Yes. And part of seeing what you're fully capable of is also seeing what you're not capable of and Mm -hmm. not being shitty to yourself when that happens. Right. And just accepting it. Yes. Like that's not your thing, but something else is your thing. Which brings us perfectly, by the way, to our last card, the two of pentacles or two of discs, depending on what deck you're using. Yep. It's two of discs for me. (laughs) I love that it just flowed perfectly like that. I know this is great. That was quite <laughs> nice, quite nice. Uh, so in my deck, the field tarot deck, uh, it's the two of discs, which traditionally it's the two of pentacles um, in other decks. And this card is all about kind of the art of balance and this concept that even though the goal we all often have is to be balanced in you know all areas of our life, the truth is that's almost impossible. <laughs> and I feel mm-hmm. like anyone who tries to tell you otherwise, or um, oh my gosh, there's so much stuff out there, even like sell you otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
they're mm-hmm. totally like full of shit. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes we're going to feel totally in control of like our home life, our family life, our social life, uh, our career. Um, but you know, in other areas, you know, we're not in control. So we might just be excelling at our career and like at home, we're just like Chelsea, like alone and yeah. isolated and depressed and drinking too much wine while binge watching Netflix by ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but other times, you know, maybe, you know, we're thriving socially and, you know, we're going to the gym and we're doing yoga and we're pulling tarot cards daily. Um, you know, and we just feel like we're surrounded by support, but um, we have no idea what we want to do with our career. Um, and you know, that pattern may bounce back and forth throughout life. Actually, it's going to bounce back and forth throughout life and that's okay because it's just reality. It's totally, I mean, how it it is, how life is. It reminds me of like, it's a little bit of a cliche, but like uh, going through bike is like, sorry, going through life is like riding on a bicycle. You know, you have to keep, it's like one pedal and another pedal. And if you stop pedaling, you're going to fall over, but it's never in balance. Like it always, one foot is always pushing and the other foot is resting. And that's just the way it has to be. And I think that this card is brilliant at representing that. And I love looking at this card in multiple decks and the way people choose to interpret it. In my deck, it has, um, it's a guy juggling with two pentacles and he has a, like the infinity sign wrapped around it. But what I love about it is the water behind him because it's just this like flat line to show like, this is where the land is. Boom. (laughs) And then the water is like ridiculous up and down and it has like ships on it, like huge waves. Like it's almost like a childlike drawing of these gigantic waves that look like hills and the ships going up and down on the water. And water isn't always represented that way in this deck. So it feels like it's very deliberate to show the extreme up and downs of life and to recognize that we think that these ups and downs are a problem. They are not a problem. This goes back to like the concept of um, existential humanism, which is like one of my very favorite frameworks to work from, where mm-hmm. they name seven conditions. And one of the, the seven conditions is anxiety is a condition of life. It just is there. It's going to be hard. I think Chelsea sometimes thinks, and many of my clients think, that it shouldn't be hard. Right. Oops. Exactly. <laughs> I, that's, I mean, that's exactly it. You know, my card is this it's basically just color blocks one is very very dark and one is very very light and that goes back you know everything's just tying in today with the twos which i think is so cool because you spoke about black and white thinking earlier and this mm-hmm. you know and we spoke about the concept of well, like i should be doing this or i should be doing that um and the two of pentacles is is also the very like very much this art of balancing that concept um and knowing that you know, sure, things feel crappy right now, but that's just because like, that's where you're at in life. Like if life was just this smooth sailing ship to use your image on your card, like how boring, what would we learn? Like, what would our purpose be? (laughs) You know, Chelsea's in a phase in her life right now where she's going to be learning a lot about herself and about others around her. So I would really challenge her to look at this and say, okay, what can you take away from this? point in your life. Like what 
are, how are you going to use this time to grow and to learn? Um, and I would also kind of take a strengths-based approach and say, yes. you know, okay, let's also talk about the areas of your life that you feel very stable and that you feel really empowered because then we can grow off of that. Because once you have a stable foundation of like, all right, I'm really good here. I feel really positive about this part of my life. Then you feel like you're more in control to balance the other things that feel um, really unsteady. And, you know, I think a part of that is also about claiming ownership for what season that you're in. Yes. One thing that I'll sort of say to people who are sort of in this uh, place where they're unsure of themselves and lonely is that I will often tell them a story about being right around the same age and living in this like lovely, gorgeous apartment that I lived in in Savannah, Georgia in the mid 90s. That was this fantastic building. And I had wonderful neighbors and I had this fun job. And where I got to travel and I was alone. And mm-hmm. I also, I had fun neighbors, but all of my friends were not there. I was in many ways lonely. I had like work friends, but not good friends. I wasn't dating anyone. And in many ways it was sad and I was a little bit lost and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I had this gorgeous apartment and I lived in this fun building in Savannah, Georgia, which is amazing. And I remember one morning waking up and making a cup of coffee and listening to the radio and having this gorgeous morning with sun pouring in. And I think of that moment throughout my life. I've thought of that time where I was just alone in my apartment, having a cup of coffee. And that moment heals me in moments where it is six 30 in the morning and I'm trying to get kids out and like, (laughs) like nobody can find their shoes. And like the dogs have like thrown up all over the floor. (laughs) I remember that I had that moment and I'm so pleased for having had that moment. I'm so pleased for my life now, but recognizing the beauties of where you are in the moment and trying to understand that you will miss that. You will even miss the hard part when it's gone. Thank you so much for sharing that beautiful memory. I feel like I was there with you for a moment. I was like, oh, this that, that sounds amazing. And it's actually a technique that I share with clients a lot. I will mm. I will have them sit down, especially if they're struggling a lot, kind of like, you know, where Chelsea's at in life. And I would say, all right, I want you to think about a time when you felt really good, you know, it, even better if it was just you, <laughs> like think about mm-hmm, a time mm-hmm. when it was just you and you were feeling good and you were happy and you were, you felt grounded, a very specific moment. And then I'll take them back to that moment, you know, and, and we'll enjoy that together in the therapy room. And then I'll say, awesome. You can tap into that memory yes. whenever you want, because mm-hmm. it belongs to you. You don't have to like Google anything or pull up your phone. You can sit there and think about that whenever you want to, or whenever you need to, just Mm -hmm. like you were doing. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. And that's like part of the beauty. That's a way of bringing some balance into your life. When things feel chaotic, go back to a peaceful memory. When things feel stale, go back to an exciting memory, but also let's go to two of wands and plan how to make your life move forward too. Exactly. Yeah. You can always tap into these times when you felt more stable while also actively trying to take steps to move forward. You know, one thing that I keep thinking about, and this is a little off topic for the card, but I just kind of want to go to the idea, is as I was sort of thinking about twos and like what the number means, a lot of the stuff I was reading about or thinking about was very positive, was the stuff about like teamworks or relationships or balance or duality um, or like learning how to make choices. But there is a shadow to all of this. And I think that Mm -hmm. we've been talking mostly about the shadow of it, of being indecisive or being um, passive, 
or even being overly sensitive. You know, two is linked to, um, I've read somewhere, a supremely feminine force. And there's the, yeah. the number two is aligned with a lot of grace and a lot of power and a lot of beauty, but also the shadow of that can go along to a point of um, being unsure of yourself or being insecure or being passive. And I think that this is the struggle that we're seeing in these cards and in this case study. Yeah. And something that I tend to do with clients too, when, when they're in that state of passiveness is help them identify, you know, what's working in that state and what's not and Mm -hmm. in what ways they're trying to protect themselves. Because I think, you know, being passive can also certainly be a protective measure, um, and a coping skill. Um, and if they were to be assertive, what would that look like? Right. That's a great question. What would it look like that we're just, we're just playing. We're just thinking yeah, exactly. about it. And we're not making a decision. We're not doing anything. And like, what if you even just like tried it? That's what's fun about therapy is, you know, what happens in the room stays in the room and mm-hmm. you can entertain all kinds of ideas without, um, having to deal with like consequences in the moment. <laughs> um, yes. and you're not totally alone. Yeah. You have somebody who's there balancing it out. Exactly. See what I did there? Oh, you did. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at The Tarot Diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com.